Welcome to Extra Pieces. I'm Richard from The Rambling Brick and... I'm Jay from Jay's Brick Blog. Join us on our podcasting journey as we bring you the latest in Lego news, talk about sets we've recently put together, and remember pieces that we have stepped on in the middle of the night. We hope you enjoy the episode and make Extra Pieces a part of your Lego fan experience. So, Jay, here we are. We've come to episode six, which is fantastic. I remember all those months ago when we published our prologue that we thought, let's do a series of six podcasts and see if it flies. Um, where do you think we go from here? Uh, I think we should start by pe- uh, patting ourselves on the back for seeing this all the way through to six episodes. This has been um, this has been a lot more fun than I expected. Um, and I think we owe it to our listeners and subscribers to end on a pretty unique and a pretty interesting episode. And to do um, something a bit different this time, we have a special guest for us. Just last week, we heard about the release of the Lego Ideas typewriter. Now we've had the opportunity to speak with Steve Guinness, the fan designer behind the typewriter, and he's been kind enough to give us some of his insights into the design process, the collaboration with the Lego group to produce it, and a bit of the story of um, where he's come from and where he's going from here. So we've got that to look forward to very, very shortly. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's quite nice. Um, it almost feels full circle. I've never had the opportunity. I don't think we've ever had the opportunity to speak to nearly everyone involved in the process. So rewind back to Fan Media Days 2021, where we got to hear from the Lego Ideas team. So we got to hear... Um, and we got to sit in on a panel with Samuel Johnson, Wes Talbot, and James May, who you know unveiled the typewriter to us and took us through some of the its features and answered a very short Q and A about the typewriter. So that that was on the design and the Lego group side of things. And now we get a opportunity to chat to the man who is responsible for the idea. All right, Richard, do you want to introduce our the first guest? I met Steve a few years ago when he made when he made some submissions to a minifigure habitat competition um, that I was running at the time, and he then proceeded to get carried away with inspiration. Um, in the meantime, he had an ideas submission that was ticking along in the background, having previously appeared on season one of UK Lego Masters. I'd like to welcome in to Extra Pieces. Um, Steve, thanks for joining us. First off, we'd like to congratulate you on being able to see your Lego Ideas submission hit the shelves at last. Well, thank you very much for in- inviting me along. It's uh, a pleasure to come along. And, yeah, it's been an incredibly exciting journey. Uh, you know, yesterday being the highlight of being able to walk into uh, my local Lego store here in uh, Liverpool and actually see my set on the shelf. Yeah, I'm still pinching myself. I think I'm probably still dreaming, but it, it was a fantastic day. And the response that I've had on social media, etc., I've had so many uh, lovely comments. It's really been uh, a fantastic, you know, sort of climax to the story. Fantastic. And I, I was just having a look earlier at your original ideas submission and your closing line there was, 
I would love to be able to walk into a Lego shop with Rachel, my wife, and my children, Daisy and Dobby, and see the design on the shelves one day, smiley face. That is certainly um, an example of where your dreams can come true. And also a great story yeah, I mean, to never give up on your dreams as well, which is a, a reference that you um, included in the final model. Um, but before we jump into that, um, for our listeners that may not be familiar with who Steve Guinness is, would you care to introduce yourself? Okay, yeah. So uh, I'm Steve Guinness. Uh, I live uh, in Cheshire in the UK. Um, I'm uh, 46 and I've been a fan of Lego uh, for as long as I can remember. Currently, um, I'm a teacher. I've been teaching for over 20 years. I teach design and technology, um, but I also um, I do that part-time and then part-time I do as much Lego as I can. So um, I build a few Lego commissions for people who, who want things building. And then I'm absolutely passionate about creativity. So I love to uh, run workshops for families and kids in local museums or visitor centers and, you know, take along some Lego and really get people excited about building and creating. I love Lego sets and I'm all for kids buying Lego sets and building from the instructions. But ultimately, I want people to learn that you don't need instructions. You know, buy a Lego set, see it as a collection of pieces, and use your imagination to build whatever you want. Uh, if people could do that more, uh, by all means, build the set first and have you know learn from it. But then get rid of the instructions. Build. You know, Lego is such an incredibly clever system. Uh, you can really uh, build whatever you want. And you know, my typewriter set kind of. Um, you know, is a good example of that. Um, I don't think many people would have thought you could build a, a working replica of a typewriter out of Lego bricks. Uh, but, you know, the, the final set is a great uh, example of that. And it's a, a very clever uh, mix of Lego technique and Lego system. Um, you know, I can't uh, take full credit for the final model because the Designers at Lego have done a, a fantastic job of taking my initial idea and putting their expertise into it, um, and you know the, the result is, is uh, fantastic. Awesome. Um, so what what what's that feeling like to have you know to to have an idea submitted on the Lego Ideas platform to go from zero to a hundred to five hundred to a thousand? to 5,000 and then finally hitting the 10,000, getting it past the review stage and I guess finally seeing it in store. Um, I loved one of your recent um, tweets where you had, um, where you were posing in front of the Lego store with your family. What, what was that like? Like as a, you know, as, as someone who's concepted and started this idea to see it all the way through to completion and to see your idea in a Lego store. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a, a long journey um, and I really, you know, I say it's a dream come true, but I didn't really ever dare to dream that it would come true. Um, mm. You know, there's so few, you know, there's only, I think mine is the 35th uh, official Lego Ideas set. So, you know, 35 people it is really a pretty small number that Lego have ever chosen to have a set made. So I thought my chances were pretty slim. Um, and right from the beginning, once I'd developed my typewriter idea um 
I kind of promised myself that I wouldn't ever get too carried away with thinking that it would uh, actually be made. You know, I thought, right, I'll, you know, I'll enjoy the process. I'll, I'll put it onto Lego Ideas, but I'm not going to get too um, obsessed by following the numbers and, you know, getting the publicity and all the rest of it. But very quickly, that changes because, you know, as I mean, the reaction to it when I initially put it on Lego Ideas was great. It got a thousand votes in a week. And I was thinking, mm. well, this is going to be easier than I thought. <laughs> but then, you know, it slowed down a lot. And it, eventually it took um, nearly 600 days to get from zero to 10,000. So, you know, I watch Lego Ideas now and some ideas, you know, managed to do, to do that in a month. Uh, I've no idea how they do that. It's incredible. So, you know, it took me mm. 600 days uh, to do that. And I had to do um, a lot of publicity. I took it around to local Lego shows. I had it set up in my local library and I did interviews with newspapers and etc. You know, I tried to do as much as I could to get the message out there. Um, and, you know, you, you can actually track your progress over time and see that, you know, like I um, had an interview with Brickset and that was a, a nice little peak because, you know, the numbers they have following. Um, and I got selected as um, the idea of the week or something. I can't remember what they actually called it on Lego Ideas, but again, that was a little peak. Um, yes. I tried to join the process regularly sort of update so i'd come up with a you know i'd make another model in a different color or i'd come up i came up with ideas for the packaging and you know things like that just to keep the momentum of the project going um mm. but yeah then when it, when it got to actually to ten thousand, uh that was a, you know a fantastic feeling but in a way it was like well what do i do now because between naught and ten thousand, i had control i could publicize it and try and gather votes etc but once it gets to ten thousand, it's out of your hands there's literally nothing you can do it's you know hand it over to the, the review panel you know the, the mystery review panel <laughs> and keep your fingers crossed and at that stage i again i i promised myself not to get my hopes up and to think mm. look it, even if it goes no further that's a great achievement you've got ten thousand people to support your idea, um, which is, you know, more than just a, a thumbs up on Facebook. You know, you have to log on to the Lego Ideas site and jump through a few hoops. So I thought, you know, that, that could be in the end of the story, but I'm still happy with it. So when Lego Ideas team contacted me to say that the um, idea was actually going to be made, that that was another, uh, another moment I won't forget. They actually... Mm. Um, contacted me and said they wanted a conference call um, to talk about the idea and get a few more details off me. And so I thought, yeah. oh, here we go. They, you know, they're going to say that it's too complicated and it, it can't be made into a set or something like, something else. But, you know, during that call, uh, they actually said, um, how would you feel about your idea being, uh, being made as a Lego set? And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, that would be fantastic. And they said, no, really, how would you feel? Because it's going to happen. <laughs> so, you know, that's how they announced it, which was uh, incredible. You know, straight after the call, I um, I have like a little um, 
shed or cabin at the end of the garden where I do my Lego stuff. So I, I ran back into the house and uh, mm. told my uh, daughter and my son who were, uh, you know, sat inside. And yeah, that was a, a fantastic moment, really special memory. That 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 must have been terrific. How long did you have to keep it a secret from the rest of the world before the public announcement? Uh, so it was only uh, a couple of weeks, actually, a couple of weeks until the public announcement was made. Um, but at exactly the same time as the public announcement, uh, the Lego Ideas team had scheduled uh, a meeting, uh, another um, online conference call with the design team. So I didn't actually get to see the announcement uh, because we were, I was on the first um, meeting with the design team. Um, and at that at that meeting, they'd already, uh, even though the announcement was being made simultaneously, the design team had already um, been looking at my product and put a few basic prototypes together. So they got stuck in straight away, which was uh, fantastic. Mm. I think we've certainly seen there have been a couple of ideas sets where there has been relative a relatively short period of time between the announcement that it was being officially accepted and and the time for it actually being rolled out when they start working on the viability of an idea you know they'll they'll start getting the design team working on getting a, a project up and running and i they've got a great core team in the lego ideas uh, department and then they mm. um uh they basically ship in designers from other departments who have yeah. specific interests. So I don't quite know how they do it, whether they advertise it internally to say, you know, who fancy going uh, and having a go at this one, or whether they say, you know, we've got this typewriter coming up, who would, uh, who's would, who got some expertise or some prior um, experience in doing things like that. But, yeah, the two main designers, uh, Wes Tolbert and James May, uh, yeah. have done an absolutely fantastic job. Uh, I think there were a few other designers involved as well when they were looking at specific issues to do with the, the technic mechanisms and things in there. Uh, but, yeah, it was really uh, great fun being able to work with the designers and actually felt, you know, really made to be a part of the team. Uh, it wasn't like they'd taken my idea and it, it was then up to them what happened with it. You know, every time they adapted something or changed something, we'd have another meeting and say, look, this, this is what we've done now. What do you think? Is there anything you'd change? You know, what can you suggest to us? Or, you know, I was really made to be, uh, feel a, a great part of the team, which was fantastic. Um, and whilst most of the meetings were online, I actually got to go over to Billund and uh, physically meet with them in the middle of the process, which was fantastic. Um, it was right in between two lockdowns uh, in uh, we, the UK. Heard so about it, that, yeah. it, it worked out perfectly. And I went over and I've been over to Billund a couple of times before, very luckily, but uh, this time I got to go inside the innovation house, which is where all the design teams work. I don't know if you've mm. ever, we've had a, a few uh, TV programs over here in the UK where they've shown it and it's a, a great big building with um, automatic metal shutters on all the windows. So they, you know, you literally, most of the time they have these shutters closed. So you can't even see in the windows because it's all top secret what goes on inside. But so I got to go in there and have my meeting, which was fantastic and actually see the product 
um, you know, for real and, and uh, you know, help them to uh, develop the idea. Were there any things that the design team introduced in the model that you thought was a, um, a huge innovation on the submission that you'd originally put in? Definitely. The, the mechanisms that they've developed are, are more advanced than the ones uh, I had developed. You know, um, my principle was based on a little hand crank on the side of the typewriter. So you turn that yep. crank and then four of the uh, keys would um, operate and look like it was typing. Um, okay, uh, yes. You know, the, the carriage would move backwards and forwards as well, um, but the, the, the keys wouldn't physically press. And all the feedback I got off people when I took my uh, prototypes to shows was, uh, you know, the kids would come straight up to it and try and start trying to press it. And I'd like, no, 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 you can't press it. You've got to turn this handle at the side. It's just, a, you know, it's a fun toy that looks like a typewriter. But for the designers, mm. straight away they said, look, what we want to do is make it so that every key can actually press. Um, yeah. You know, I think the, um, the downside of that is that there's only one uh, key in the middle that actually lifts up, that, you know, that mm. actually sort of operates. So any key you press, the same lever lifts up. But obviously there's got to be compromise uh, in the mechanism. Typewriter components will be a lot smaller than lego components so there's going to be a limit to what you can do but uh, no the functionality they've managed to to build in is is fantastic i'm you know really really pleased with it i i remember when i was a boy taking the bottom off my typewriter my my dad no actually i'll be honest it was my dad's typewriter at home and i i took took the back off it and um very nearly did some some irreparable damage to the mechanism just by um, <laughs> thinking about pulling it apart. Um, little did I realise that he had to start typing up some invoices for the next day. Uh, <laughs> but uh, to actually have that I, I mechanism a, there. I did a similar thing. You know, when I w- made my first prototype, I um, went online and bought a second-hand typewriter uh, to, mm. you know, investigate and have a look at and very quickly realized that there's no way you're going to be able to replicate the exact mechanism in Lego just because of the, the limitations in size. So I thought, how can I replicate the, the action without mm. copying the exact way the mechanisms work? So that's where I'd really come from. What so, was the um, impetus or inspiration behind a typewriter? Um, did it have? Did you have a personal connection to typewriters, or do you just think it was a cool idea? Uh, so uh, initially, the typewriter was part of um, our Lego Masters final build. So I, I was on Lego Masters um, four years ago, and our, for a final build, we um, decided to build a, a big uh, piece. It was two meters by two meters. And it had um, an adult sat at a desk typing away on the typewriter. And it was a bit of a personal story because both me and my friend Nate, who I partnered up with for the show, uh, are teachers. And teaching can be, uh, you know, fantastically enjoyable, but it also can be stressful. So we were trying to represent the fact that we were uh, working, sat at our desk, working away, getting stressed. But then behind the model of the uh the human uh, was a child kneeling on the floor playing with Lego. 
you know, all this, all of this was made of Lego. Um, and it was really the story of how it's important to be able to embrace your inner child and get the balance right between work and play. So the typewriter was part of that build. Um, the build had to be interactive, so it had to have moving parts and things like that. So on our initial idea, we, you know, had um, the adults sat at the desk just uh, typing on a computer or a laptop. But we were thinking, well, you know, that's that, that's got no, nothing moving. There's no interaction. There's nothing going on there. So I thought, okay, let's let's take it back in time and, and give him a typewriter and actually have him typing away on it. So mm. that's really where the initial idea came from. But then, you know, I took it on after the show, you know, and made a, I made probably seven or eight different prototypes in the run-up to putting it on Lego Ideas and really, you know, changed and developed the idea over time. But I love making things that move with Lego, um, you know, whether it's just a, a tiny little um, habitat for a minifigure with something going on. And uh, I think it, it, it brings it to life. Um, and, you know, adds a layer of interest and excitement to a build. Hmm. Now, you mentioned habitats, Steve, and I'll, I'll acknowledge that I may have a connection with you here from that point of view. Um, yeah. But we've certainly over the last over the last four years or so, you've produced a huge number of habitats. These are eight stud by eight stud by eight brick high boxes really for a minifigure to to live in and uh tell us tell us a little bit about about how you embraced these and what you've where you've taken them yes so richard i was inspired by one of your posts a few years ago where you uh you know basically showed me what a habitat was i'd never seen one before and i thought it was such a, a clever idea you know eight by eight studs, a tiny little build. You can build one, you know, in half an hour. Uh, it doesn't take a, a massive amount of bricks, which I think is a, a real bonus because I think it, it, a lot of people will look at fantastic creations on the internet and think they're amazing and they're made of Lego, but I'm never going to be able to build like that. But a habitat mm. it is a great, you know, thing for anyone. Can, you've just got a little box of random Lego. You can make your habitat. And you can put your creativity into it. You can build up a story of what the minifigure's doing and where they might live and what they might be doing. So, yeah, I got hooked on the idea. I made a few. And then I came up with the, the crazy notion of trying to make a habitat for every single um, collectible minifigure series that there have been. Um, so, you know, to date, I think I've made um, nearly 300 <laughs> habitats and I've, I've still got them all. I've never taken them apart. So I've got a few boxes full. Um, I, I still qu haven't quite finished my ambition because they keep bringing out <laughs> more collectible they, they minifigure keep, series. <laughs> they keep bringing out more of these figures, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, it's, it's great fun. So thank you for the original inspiration. Look, and I, I will pass on the um in, I'll, I'll say that i received inspiration from some colleagues in sydney who um for one of one of their shows organized a community build where they put a thousand habitats together wow um and um and Oko organized that but he also he tells me that he used the format um, in some shows that he was involved with in Indonesia 
years okay. ago. But beyond that, we've not been able to identify the the originator of the format. Right. But uh, I'd certainly isn't it, seen isn't a lot it cool of how an idea can spread across the world and you know uh, engage so many people, so that so many people have got such enjoyment out of just an eight by eight thing. It's, it's great. I love that. It, it's been fantastic to see, and also then, and there have been some other people that also engaged in. Um, I think that same that same contest or a subsequent one, and they've really embraced it um, on Instagram with their communities over lockdown. And so I've I've just found my feed just swamped with with habitats, and I think I've probably only built built five or six in the last <laughs> couple couple of years. I'm feeling like I'm letting the side down, but I've, I'm it's been magnificent just seeing where where that format has gone I've, you built some uh, habitats for your blacktron ice planet project that you're you know currently working on that i might be jay um <laughs> I, I, now, I now have a commitment to do so um I mean, in, in the latest really enjoyed- uh, the, the Lo- in the looney tunes minifigures the latest one that's uh, just come out i decided yes. to to modify the eight by eight slightly, so they, my Looney Tunes ones don't all connect side to side like a standard habitat would. They're still eight by eight. Oh, I saw that. Instead, mm. I tried to make them all mechanical, so they've all got some sort of movement, and you can actually—they've got a central axle that runs um, horizontally through each habitat, so you can link them up all in uh, a line. Uh, so I've got uh, Roadrunner looking like he's. Uh, spinning down the road and Tasmanian devil, you know, twirling around with his whirlwind and stuff. Out. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's great fun. Which which of those figures, because they're all such great characters and all, all so dynamic on screen, which of those characters did you find the gave you the most, um, I, I'll, I'll run with the greatest challenge and then also the greatest joy to realise? Um, I think it was Roadrunner because, um, you know, the feedback on the Roadrunner um, minifig is generally negative. People are like, oh, that doesn't look like Roadrunner. He's got the wrong legs and you should have given him the long legs off Buzz Lightyear and all this sort of stuff. So yeah. I thought, okay, yeah. I'm going to take this negativity and try and turn it around into something positive. So I used a little uh, Technic pulley wheel. Um, yes. And uh, I've had that spinning round. So if you see the cartoons, when Roadrunner is running, he, you can't even see his legs. It's just a blurred no, circle. They're just, so just the blurred circle, absolutely. When you spin the pulley wheel round, it looks like a blurred circle. So it's, so it's ideal. So, yeah, I've got Roadrunner whizzing along, and then I've got Wiley Coyote chasing him on a motorbike doing a wheelie. So, <laughs> but, yeah, mm. it's was, it was cool. Fantastic, and have, you've been working on um, some other other projects recently. I've been particularly enjoying following the large um, seaside that you've been building. Yeah, so um, since I sort of uh, moved my Lego collection down into my shed in the garden, you know, trying to get it out of the house and have my own little space, uh, I've been working on small projects like habitats, but I missed having a, you know an actual sort of display set up so um i cleared some table space uh probably uh two meters by one and a half meters something like that and i thought 
right, we're in lockdown, we can't go anywhere, but I'm going to dream of going to the seaside by actually building it. Uh, yes, yeah, so over the course of a few months, um, I've built um, a traditional um, British seaside scene uh, with, um, you know, the sort of retaining walls and the cliffs and the beach and all sorts going on. But, yeah, so I've really um, got lost in it, really, so I can go down there and escape to the seaside even though I'm just at the end of the garden. <laughs> just having a look there, if the – is the Ferris wheel is that that's part of that model as well? The grey Ferris yeah, wheel. Yeah, the, the Ferris wheel. So uh, it was before the uh, the new creator Ferris wheel had come out. I didn't mm. know about that. Um, I got the big um, uh, the big old creator wheel that came out a few years ago, and I thought, well, how can I make one that's a little bit smaller? Um, mm. And so I actually took some uh, of the relatively new roller coaster track pieces, yes. the corners. And I've used um, eight of those to make two wheels and made up a little Ferris wheel like that. But, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's silly, but using parts for uses they're not originally intended to be used for, kind of, you know, I enjoy that. It's um, part, you know, it sparks my creativity. And I look at a part and think, right, okay, that's a roller coaster track, but could be something totally different. I think that's one of the things that. Um has come through with the just observing on Lego Masters, even the, with the Australian version, every time there is neat parts usage, um, Ryan McNaught, who's our local judge and certified professional, he gets really, really excited with the um, various bits of neat part usage that um, appear <laughs> in people's builds, whether it's the cherry being used, the cherry element being used to element to um, represent a snake's tongue or whatever unexpected piece of genius is, is tucked away in there. And I think that seeing different shapes in, in the standard Lego brick or the standard Lego elements is really part of the intrinsic Legoness of of the substance, <laughs> as yeah, it were. Yeah, I think um, you know. I think the the Lego designers themselves uh, love to see that happening. You know, um, mm. I believe that if a designer comes up with the idea for a new element, they have to sort of prove um, to the rest of the design team that this is not just going to be a unique part, which is going to appear in you know one Star Wars set and then be retired, but actually mm. it could be utilised in all sorts of different sets. Uh, and, yeah. you know, an example of that is the the printed keys on my typewriter. Mm. Um, you know, I was very lucky that they decided to print them rather than being stickers um, because it's like it's a huge number of uh, unique printed pieces in one set. But they, they did it because they can see that those pieces are then going to be generic enough to be used in a whole range of different mocks. We mm. actually came up for the graphic designer at Lego came up with two different um, typefaces to put on the keys. One yes. typeface that you see on the finished product, which has just uh, got the uh, alphabet printed out, and the other typeface, mm -hmm. which was more realistic to an original typewriter, it would have um, the small numbers above the letters. So, yes. uh, you know, there's not a separate bar with numbers on. There's not a separate row, but the numbers no. would be on the you know on the sort of top qwerty row of keys um mm. 
and although that looks more authentic in terms of a, a proper typewriter, uh, the design team thought about it, uh, you know, and involved me in the process and said, well, actually, we just do the more simple keys, then people can make themselves name badges when they're at a convention or they can, you know, put, have a name on their shop in their Lego city or, or whatever. So, uh, yeah, if they're unique new pieces, but they're going to hopefully be utilized by AFOLs everywhere to, to make all sorts of different creative uh, marks. Mm. Yeah, we were in a group Q&A with the designers and I think one of the questions that we asked was, um, did the typeface have a specific name? And I don't think they uh, they thought of a name. So if you were to name or give the typeface a name, what would you call it? That's um, your 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 the um ideas um, <laughs> you know, yeah. So yeah, use this use this platform and let's give it an official name. Give it an official name. Wow. Well, it's 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 got to be something like uh, Steve's dream come true. <laughs> Steve's dream come true font. <laughs> there it is. It's official. <laughs> And and it's it sounds serif as well. So a Steve's dream come true sans. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, we were talking earlier about your current um, pro, the way that you're currently spending your time part time um, teaching three days a week. You mentioned that you're mainly teaching design and technology. Um, yep. How do you do you find that you tend to um, incorporate Lego in the work that you're doing there, or is is that much more a standard computer pen and paper kind of a course? Uh, no, I'm, I'm very lucky, uh, and uh, the headmaster at the school uh, loves the fact that I, I, you know, I'm into my Lego, and uh, he's he embraces uh, whenever I can use Lego in the curriculum. So obviously, we uh, we cover all the things we're meant to in the curriculum, and we'll do. Uh, you know, computer aid design and stuff, which is un unrelated to Lego, but wherever I possibly can, I'll take in some Lego and I'll get the class uh, doing a big team build or we'll do some Lego robotics and programming or uh, my, my school, um, I'm able to teach kids from age four to 16. So particularly mm. with the, the junior classes, we have great fun making all sorts of different things with Lego and you know, they don't think it's a lesson. They just think they're playing with less with Lego. But you know, if you can engage kids in something that's fun, then uh, and get them to learn at the same time, then why wouldn't you? You know, uh, I think it's uh, it's a it's a perfect tool to be able to do that. And you know, you can, for example, recently the I had a class and they were learning about Egyptians, and so we made tiny little brick models of Tutankhamun's mask. You know, each one only had maybe 30 pieces in it, uh, but it brought it to life with them. What could be, you know, a boring textbook topic was actually, yep. oh, fantastic, I've made a, a, you know, and they'll remember it. Uh, so, mm. yeah, wh wherever I can, I, I bring it in and uh, yeah, see the kids uh, loving it, which is, uh, you know, I'm very lucky to be able to do that in my job as well as in my hobby. So as a, um, as a teacher and given that you interact with um, kids of all ages um, in, in, in your job, 
what has been your observation about their experience with Lego? You know, are they obsessed about Lego Star Wars, Minecraft? You know, has has and has anything surprised you with how they interact with you know Lego or the hobby or just the brand in general? Um, I think my uh, observation would be the um, the fact that it's very clear when uh, different ages think Lego is cool or not cool. So, mm-hmm. you know, the kids I teach from four up till 11 love it. They can't get enough of it. They were like, yeah, fantastic. We're playing with Lego. Woohoo! Well, literally, as soon as they hit 11 or 12, it's like, Lego? I'm not playing with Lego. That's a kid's toy. You know, and that mm-hmm. happens for maybe three or four years. And then when they get to 16, 17, they think, actually, yeah, yeah, Lego's pretty cool. You know, I, I can see that. And so they, they start coming back to it. But I think, you know, the, the Lego group could really do with working on that middle group of kids between 11 and 14 or 15, who for some reason, I, I just don't know why, don't think it's cool. Uh, you know, you can you can persuade them. You know, I can I can get I can turn them around by showing them how cool it is and doing some programming and making some Lego robots that will, you know, find their way around a maze or do something cool. Uh, but their initial reaction is, well, I don't play with Lego. You know, I don't want my friends to know I play with Lego because it's not cool anymore. Uh, mm. And I, I don't know why that is. I don't I don't remember ever having that myself. Um, but uh, yeah, so that, that's my that's my main observation. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, I guess being a adult Lego fan, and and certainly that kind of parallels with uh, being an adult Lego fan as well. Like for you know a few years ago, the thought of a a full grown adult, you know, spending most of his free time playing with Lego was, was still a bit odd. But yep. you know, yep. because because Legos become so big and there's so many cool sets and models released it's almost normalized it in a certain way um yep. have, 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 have you seen that shift with that demographic as well or is it still just yeah definitely cool? yeah i mean you know i've been like a a serious afol for i don't know um 10 15 years um you know before that i, I love lego but i, I I didn't realize there was this massive adult following. Um, mm. And I think, you know, during that time, I've only seen it getting bigger and bigger. And I think that's partly because the new focus that uh, the Lego group are putting on adults, you know, their whole branding with the 18 plus sets and adults welcome that, you know, they're clearly um, more open to the fact that, it, it, you know, they've got a whole uh, different range of age demographics that they're they're marketing towards. So, uh, you know, and I think that's great. You know, why should kids have all the fun? <laughs> you know, adults can certainly get an awful lot out of it in terms of using it as a, a creative tool to to um, realise their ideas. I suppose where we're while we're thinking as well about that, trying to um, get that early teenager back re-engaged with Lego, that feels like it's probably part of the goal of, with LegoCon coming up on 26th of June, have you 
are you going to be engaged in the pro in the program for that day at all? And can you tell yeah, us anything so, about um, it? I've, I've done a, a pre-record for uh, you know a little segment about uh, my typewriter. You know, they, they were going to have a, a segment talking about Lego ideas, and obviously mm-hmm. my typewriter has just come out, so it kind of made sense for them to do that. So I think there's a, a, a there's 20 minutes before the main event starts where they've invited various different um, A-poles from the community to, to showcase their thing. And then, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm not in that, but I'm in at some point in the main show in the, the Lego Ideas spotlight. But yeah, that was great to be oh, invited right. along. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, terrific. And um, what's what's the next project that you're working on then? The next project? Yeah, for, your, um, for your own pleasure or for the family or for the shed? Uh, yeah, so I'm working on a, um, a lenticular mosaic at the moment. You know, uh, a mosaic made out of tiny little one-by-one cheese slope bricks. So you look yes. at it from one angle and it's one picture and then you walk past and it's another picture. So uh, it's got, I think, uh, nearly 11,000 pieces in it. Uh, I've completed the first image um, and I'm working on the second image. I'm not going to spoil it, but what, but it's, um, it's quite a... A meaningful, meaningful thing for me that I'm trying to represent. So hopefully, within uh, the next few weeks, I'll be able to put it on my social media. But it's I got the idea during lockdown, um, mm. and uh, it's kind of represents the the hope that uh, we all have that uh, the world will get back to normal. <laughs> oh, fan- fantastic! And. Uh, I know that different parts of the world have been affected differently, but are there is the UK at the stage where there have been any live shows, um, live expos happening for fans uh, at all yeah, in the last no, we, 12 we months? St- we still haven't, still haven't opened up that much. We've still got uh, a few restrictions taking place. Um, mm. you, know, you can't meet uh, in you know large groups and things like that as yet, so... Uh, yeah, my um, my uh, lug, which is called Northern Brickworks, we were due to have nice. a show uh, in a couple of weeks' time, uh, and it was touch and go whether it was going to happen. But we, yeah, we've just heard that it's it's cancelled. So that's a real mm. shame. Uh, we're hoping to have uh, you know do some sort of a virtual uh, event instead. But yeah, we we haven't quite got to the stage where we're we're completely open up again yet over here. Yeah, I think um, we've started to have a couple of events opening up around, particularly in rural Victoria, and we've got a, a test coming up in about in about four weeks in Adelaide, where it, we're trying to work out. On, or Melbourne's just particularly come out of a lockdown. It looks like if we're going, anyone's going to try and get over there, we're going to need to get a travel permit. It's it's very it's very complicated. Hopefully, towards the end of the year, there are a few more opportunities opening up. We're hoping, so long as um, things continue on the improve, but it's certainly it's been a we're in a very privileged position in Australia, just with um, the approach that's been taken to with with our boards. We have these advantages being an island, hours and hours of flight from anywhere in the world, really. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, over um, here, they're, they're really trying to just get um, as many people with their double vaccination. And then when they think they've got enough, then that's going to be the main marker as to them then opening opening up and uh, allowing more uh, large gatherings. Yeah. yeah. And even um, I think Lego stores just just on, you know, reopened shortly. So you've got access to pick a brick again because they were closed. Like retail was closed for quite some time. Yeah, we, we, we still can't pick it ourselves. We have to uh, go along and point and then the staff fill it up really badly, leaving loads of gaps. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I can't wait for pick a brick Almost. to be open again. For me, that was the, the big news of just lockdown. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of um, speaking of Lego stores, um, and and apart from the typewriter, what were the last three Lego sets you bought um, and enjoyed for yourself personally? Wow. Okay, the last three Lego sets that I bought. Um, I tend not to buy a huge amount of Lego sets. You know, I, I'm, um, you know, I buy way too much on Bricklink <laughs> uh, in terms of parts. But uh, let me just think about the uh, Lego sets that I bought. I really enjoyed uh, the um, Chinese New Year se uh, sets. I think they've got great creativity in them. So I bought those ones um, and. I think before my typewriter, I just finished building Sesame Street, which was really cool. You know, I can mm. remember as a kid watching Sesame Street. And um, so I bought that one when it came out, mainly because I love the minifigures. I think they were awesome. Um, and then, of course, me being me, I didn't actually build the from the instructions. <laughs> I've changed, I've changed the um, building around. Um, I didn't go by what, Sesame Street actually looks like on the show. I wanted more of a, a symmetrical building, so I've moved the door over to the middle and I've put the windows symmetrically so that it looks, you know, if you ask a kid to, to draw a house, they're going to put the door in the middle and have the windows around the edge. So I've, I've, I've built it as I saw it in my imagination. <laughs> and did you evict a cookie monster from his home? <laughs> uh, no, well, I gave, I gave him a bigger home. Yeah, so that was one of the mechanical habitats that I built. I've given him a, a bigger dumpster rather than just a trash can, and I've um, mechanized him so that he, uh, when you turn the crank handle, he, the lid of the dumpster opens up and he, uh, he peeks out of the top. <laughs> That's awesome. And, um, yeah, so looking at, um, I guess, Lego um, Lego's release calendar so far, um, I'm actually just finishing an article about lego you know 2021 being the year of lego um releasing sets made out of inanimate objects so we've had typewriter we've got plants okay. we've got sneakers um we've got a world map what do you think is next what's the next inanimate object that you think lego would take on yeah that's, that's a good question i mean um I think this the uh, the sneakers was uh, if you pardon the pun a step too far, <laughs> uh, and you know I guess people could say the same thing about a typewriter. What's the point of a typewriter made of Lego if it doesn't work? But yeah, I, I really can't see the point of a, a a trainer made of Lego. I guess if you're a trainer fan, like if you're a typewriter fan, but um, 
I've seen the little uh, recently the little gift we purchased that comes with the the sneaker, and I think I, I, I like that better than the actual set. <laughs> but in terms of what's next, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they could. Thinking back to vintage stuff like uh, my typewriter, I know that somebody's got um, a Sony Walkman on Lego Ideas. I really like that. I think that would be pretty cool. Um, mm. So. Yeah, I think some of the vintage stuff, I don't know whether anyone's done a, a nice old vintage uh, telephone. That could be something that could sit next to the typewriter on the desk. That would look pretty cool. But, yeah, I'm sure it's not the, the end of the line for, for things like that. I think and having things that are playing on that sense of nostalgia, which is an emotion that Lego evokes in so many people anyway, is with memories of of childhood and of days when um, life when when life was just a bit more carefree and a little easier for a lot of exactly. for a lot of us i think evoking those those ideas that may or may not have actually been part of our childhood but of things gone past like you say the walkman um the even last year's um super mario video game and yep. any super nes and um It's a a double double thing, isn't it? People have got the nostalgia of using the actual product, but then they've got the nostalgia of playing with Lego. And so they're they're doing Mm. both at the same time. So it's great. I think, you know, some of the the modern Lego sets, like if you're building a, I don't know, a modular building or something like that, you can build it and then you don't really know what to do with it unless you've got, you know, some fantastic display shelves. It's just going to sit there and get dusty. Whereas, Mm. you know, a nostalgic product, like my typewriter, fingers crossed, you, you're going to build it and then keep it, you know, proudly on display because it's a, it's a piece that you, you like to look up at and it brings back memories and stuff like that. Hmm. I ended up trying to type part of my review up on my old Olivetti Laterra 34, um, <laughs> which, which is also sand green. And um, oh, great. I, I um, have become... I was extremely grateful for the fact that I have the opportunity to type using this technology with its auto correction and its backspacing and <laughs> yeah, no delete button on a typewriter. <laughs> well, well, there there is. There's backspace X, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that 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 was a little bit of a challenge just to just to go back to. But uh, my my typewriter doesn't doesn't have a one or an exclamation mark on it either it, it has the rest of the numbers but not those it expects you to use an l and an apostrophe full stop um <laughs> so no, um I- steve like um now that now that the set is out um in the wild what is the one thing that you hope people will appreciate and enjoy about the ideas typewriter you know when they build it um, or display it what what feelings yeah, so do you want um, to evoke in them? My genuine hope is that it will attract some new people to the Lego hobby that, you know, haven't, you know, got into it yet. You know, there's still got to be a lot of people out there who played with Lego as a child, they've grown out of it, and they've never gone back to it. You know, I want people to, to look at that. They'll look at it and see a typewriter. They'll look closer and see it's made of Lego. And then they'll suddenly realize that, wow, that you can actually make anything out of Lego and they'll buy it and they'll have a go and they'll, they'll be inspired then to have a go at creating things themselves. You know, that, that if, if, even if a few people did that, 
um, I'd feel it was an accomplishment. You know, genuinely, as I said before, I'm passionate about creativity. And if I can, through something that I've helped to design, get some other people passionate about that, then, you know, that, that would be truly awesome. How do your family feel about seeing this, yeah, all I the mean, buzz uh, around us? My, my family are, are an incredible support to me. Uh, you know, my two kids and my wife, they've been there throughout the whole journey. Um, and at every stage, they've been behind me, um, supporting me. You know, my wife, uh, Rachel, has been, you know, fantastic. A lot of um, wives might not be as accepting <laughs> of their a husband having, uh, you know, uh, a Lego obsession. <laughs> uh, but, you know, she's 100% supportive and, you know, I'm very, very, I feel very lucky and uh, very privileged. And, yeah, I mean, that is one of the most special things to me, you know, to be able to feel proud um, and to, you know, to have uh, my kids keep a set uh, you know, we, we get given um, that if you're successful on Lego ideas, you get uh, sent 10 copies of the set. And so each of my kids is, is getting a set, which they're going to keep, uh, you know, sort of uh, mint uh, until they maybe they grow up and get their first house. And then they can or even if they can experience building it with their own children, you know, and say, oh, you know, granddad made this or whatever. Um you know, to have that as a, almost a family heirloom is uh, something that's, you know, very special to me. Yeah, very, very special. Yeah. How old are your kids now? Uh, so, Obby, my son, is How old are your 11. kids now, Steve? So, Obby, my mm-hmm. son, is 11, and Daisy, my daughter, is 15. Uh, so, yeah, they, okay, they've both fantastic. been into Lego uh, in the past. Um, uh then you know they're probably going through the stage where it is not quite as cool as it used to be but despite that they're, they're still fantastically supportive and, and proud of what i've uh, managed to achieve mm. oh that's 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 fantastic and i think it will be a moment that a time that they cherish i'm sure yeah yeah definitely Steve, um, I'd like to thank you very much for your time today. We really appreciate you giving up um, an hour or so to have a have a chat with us about about the journey that you've been on. Like and to give you a chance to plug anything. Um, you know, you've got you've got the floor now. You've got the final say. So, um, <laughs> if you have a message for your fans or you know a word of inspiration, this is your platform. Fantastic. Well, well, thank you, uh, both of you, for allowing me to come uh, on and uh, have a little chat with you. It's been really good fun. Yeah, I mean, if I was allowed to plug my social media, I go under the handle of The Brick Consultant. Uh, So if you go at The Brick Consultant on any of the social media channels, hopefully you'll find me. Um, And in terms of inspiration, I would would just encourage people that whatever the next Lego set that you buy is – uh, build it, learn from it, but then take it apart and try and build something else. You know, a, a Lego set is not just a sports car or a typewriter or a spaceship. It's anything you want it to be. It's a collection of pieces. So chuck the instructions, use your imagination and see what you can build.
fantastic. Thank you so That's much. A great way to end the episode. Thank you but, so much. That for, is great. Going um, on the extra pieces podcast. Wow, that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed um, listening to Steve. I think my 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 main takeaway from our chat with Steve is just how humble and down to earth and how in love he is with the brick and yeah like for someone that has achieved so much in lego you know that includes having his set make it into a a a retail lego idea set um he's just so down to earth and so humble and you can you can just really tell that he's just really living his dreams and i think it's a it's a great triumph and achievement for someone to you know really work hard and have his or her effort and hard work get rewarded in such a in in such an amazing way what about you i think it's given me a great insight into into the processes that he's been through and fitting um the journey for the ideas set as well as um you know finding ways to continue that lego dream incorporating that into your work finding work related to lego on the side his passion for the brick is just palpable yeah and i think um i think i i i was really inspired by his his passion and conviction to want people to explore their creativity and go beyond instructions. I think he's, um, you know, I think it's a great takeaway and I think a great, um, I think challenge for a lot of people to, you know, buy a set, enjoy it, but also go beyond and see what you can create and build out of the bricks and elements that are contained in the set. And you never know. I think, you know, if you, um, if you can take that, you know, one big step beyond the instructions, who knows, you might be the next, uh, Lego ideas design submission submitter that has your idea turned into a Lego set. Well, Jay, that's it for this episode. I'd like to encourage our listeners to fill in the feedback form. Um, I really appreciate the support that they've given us over the last couple of months and in a few Has weeks, it been a couple of months? That's crazy. We started this process on the 1st of April, if you remember. We had to prove to people that subsequently this was not an April Fool's joke. So wow. here we are. We're, we're two and a half months down the track and we're – I only had a couple of episodes getting progressively further and further behind schedule, and that's certainly one thing that we'd look to fixing up in the next series. Yeah, um, I think it's been it's been great. It's been a it's been a great and wonderful learning experience. I think um, speak, speaking for myself, it's been this 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 podcasting thing is a lot harder than it sounds but also i think a lot more fun and i have a very special thank you that i have to make and it's uh, a big thank you to you richard for being such a great uh co-host this has been truly 
enjoyable and it's been fun collaborating um, with someone else and collaborating with another, you know, fan media ambassador or whatever you want to call yourself um, on this project. Oh, look, Jay, thank you very much. And uh, look, certainly we've been working together on this for so long um, in the background that, that it, it's just felt like we've been working as a team and absolutely it's it's something that um, I really appreciate the drive and the insights that you've brought to the project and, and I think we've been able to work well together. So um, I, I suppose I should check. Um, are you interested in working with me for another season? Oh, I, I think we uh, I, don't, I think we don't have a choice. Um, I think we we definitely can't let down our listeners and subscribers. And again, a big, a very huge thank you to every one of you for tuning in. Um, to everyone that's 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 written us or rated us on iTunes or have left us very supportive messages and encouraging messages on email on social media, a very big thank you. It's been. It's been surprising. I I think I started this and I I was I, I was going to be very happy with I don't know like 10 50 listeners per episode and I think that we've you know we've well exceeded that that number and I'm just um I'm just pleasantly surprised that people enjoy tuning in to hear us, you know, chat and talk about Lego and sometimes go down random paths and you know see where the conversation takes us it's been a lot of fun it certainly has so let's sign out for now and until next time these are the extra extra pieces. pieces you have been listening to extra pieces a collaboration between jay's brick blog and the rambling brick your hosts are jay ong and richard jones written and produced by jay ong and richard jones Extra pieces can be found through your favourite podcasting platforms. Please like and subscribe, and if you like what you hear, please give us a solid five-star review. It will make it easier for other people to find us and to share the joy.